We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. So in this season, the Lord is calling us to the full manifestation of our sonship. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 11 again. Help us today, Father. Help us to believe your full counsel. Help us. We have receptive hearts. We do. We confess that we have receptive hearts. We confess that we respect and submit to your whole counsel. We, we, we confess that we have hearts of flesh, not hearts of stone. By design of our sonship, we are, we are receptive to your word. By design. There's no resistance in our hearts. Every resistance is removed. Every resistance is removed. Your word has his full way in us. And we give you glory for it. Amen. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 and 2. Let's go to it. Paul says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ, right? And we said the word for imitate was the word mimites, M-I-M-E-T-E-S. And that means the positive imitation that comes from admiring the pattern set by someone worthy of emulation. And that is a mentor setting a proper example. Last week, we talked about the fact that we are a very, very imitation-driven society, right? We don't have any issues understanding the concept of following as a people. Generally, somebody just started something and everybody follows suit. And most times people retire their consciences momentarily to follow the crowd. You're walking in a direction, you see somebody running towards you. You turn around and start to run with your head back. You're not about to wait to find out. No, no. You start running first. Because once you turn, you are ahead of the person coming behind you. And they can start wondering what is going on. Because by design, we are built to follow. Jesus said to the guys that were fishing by the riverside, good at what they do. He says, follow me. That's the first thing he said. And I will make you. There's an infiltration of the gospel with all kinds of strange doctrines. One of them is the one that champions the thought that I don't need to be with the church. I don't need anybody to lead me. I am the church. That's a satanic doctrine. He's not your Lord and personal Savior. It's all our Savior. I am the church of God. I am the whole. Even, I've said, oh, even Jesus by himself. It's not the church. Cannot be the church. That's why he died to bring us in to glory. He's the head of the church. I am the church. There's no such teaching in the New Testament. Even Israel in the wilderness was referred to as the church. A type of the church. The body of Christ. And so teachings emanate that say that, you know, it's just you can be taught of the Lord. 
Just you and the Holy Spirit. I showed you Ephesians 4 last week, right? You heard that growth comes by discipleship. Comes by following. You see what somebody is doing. You see that this is what the person is doing. You see that this person is not pretending in the doing. And is not moved by the things around him. And you're supposed to do likewise, but you don't because you succumb to pressure. When the person you are following has more to lose. Then you can't come into what you desire. And young people need to understand that. The power of the gospel is stronger than the power of peer pressure. The power of the gospel is stronger than the power of trends. And cliches and cliques. The power of the gospel is the power of God. And so you must allow him work in you. You must. If you're not observing and following. If you're not observing and receiving. It will be right in front of you. And you can't walk into it. All the while you are confessing it. Like I said, it's not profession of songs. It is manifestation of songs. Keep confessing. Nobody's dragging confession with you. The things I write to you, most excellent Theophilus, Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. Of all the things that Christ began both to do and teach. He began to what? Do and teach. What did Jesus transmit to them? What he did and what he taught. They're not mutually exclusive. They work together. You observe what a person is teaching. You observe what that person is teaching you is doing. You marry the two together. Therein is your development. I was saying to, I can't remember who I was speaking to recently. And I said, I, I followed my own master. It was you, Caleb. I, I learned I could teach everything he said. I can sing every song. Not lift a block and say, no, that's not right. Then you have become the leader of the person you are following. You don't put up a wall. You can only choose whom to follow. You can't choose how. You can't choose how. You must trust that God is able to use the process. IPO. He's able to use the process to bring out of you what he wants to bring out of you such as is bespoke to you. Such as is peculiar for your own individual assignment on the earth. You can trust that it's only God that can allow you to follow somebody and you end up as the best you, not a clone of who you followed. It's not for you to regulate. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't follow and hold the control. You can't. So there's a prophetic unction upon your life and the person God has planted you with has an evangelistic edge. It is God that is able to take that process of a prophet submitting to an evangelist to bring out the best version of the prophet. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Without the prophet feeling like he will end up getting lost and ending up an evangelist. It is God who works in you. It's not you that does God's work. It's not you. So you are changing yourself by not allowing yourself to focus on something or someone that looks like where you're going and keep your eyes on him or her until you get to where they currently are. Because when you get there, there's tomorrow to be better.
and you follow like you lost your mind. Because that's the only way you apprehend that for which you have been apprehended. Counting everything as dung for the excellency of the gospel. It's not an equal opportunity partnership. As I follow you, sir, what are you giving me? As I follow you, sir, what are you doing for me? That's not what it's about. That's not what it's about. And so we have a bunch of people who are confessing and professing and making a lot of noise and having a great time and are not evolving and allowing Christ be formed in them. And your confession by itself doesn't bring about a reality. There's no such instance in the scriptures until you begin to understand that I received this thing in my spirit. It quickened my spirit. This is actually my reality. So the prodigal son hears stuff and then he goes, you know what, hey, bro, I'm not even sure how it's going to work out. So let me just, the lepers said, you know, you know the story of those lepers outside Samaria? They said, if we stay here, we'll die. If we go back to the city, we'll die. Because lepers are not allowed into the city. So the only other place that we have not tried if we go to the enemy's camp and we die, we shall not die, all die, not die. But there's only one die that we have not tested. So we know the dying here, we know the dying here. Let's try and check out the dying here. And if we die here, well, we die. Oh, no, it's all dying. I saw a scripture in Romans on Thursday. We went for a week keep, you know, it was Thursday, right? We went for a service of songs. And as is my custom, I've said it over and over and over and over. I never step to a place without asking the Lord, what do you have for these people through me if it comes up? Ever. You don't have to tell me, Pav, you go speak. Oh. Do you understand? Yes, Ever. Ever. How is it then, brethren? When you come together, each one, you see that sonship. Yes, it's not that I'm righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Every time I'm going out, Holy Spirit, what are you giving me? Should they call upon me? What do you have to say? It's not Lord, they have invited me to speak. What should I say? You're a baby. You're not serious about your sonship. You're not serious about your ministry. Every time you wake up, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Give me what? Activate something in my spirit. And if demand is placed on it, fine. Demand is not placed on it, no problem. And I sat there and I heard the Lord said to me that whether we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. That's the spirit of a disciple. If we live, we live for the Lord. Romans 14, if we die, we die to the Lord. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live, or die. <laughs> so they said, you know, let's, let's, let's go and try this place. Because you can't follow while counting the cost. You can't. You can't. You must trust that he's able to weaponize the process to bring about his desires in your life. He's the one that knows the thoughts he has concerning you. Is anybody getting this? So Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. The context of that is from 1 Corinthians 10. 
We're in 1 Corinthians 11, right? 11 and 1. Let's go back to 10. 1 Corinthians 10. You'll see that from verse 31. Paul says, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 32. Give no offense either to the Jew or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. Please 33 again in the, in, the, in the TPT. Follow my example. For I try to please everyone in all things. Everyone there refers to the Jews, the Gentiles, and the church. Context. Just like when Philippians 4, when he says, I can do all things, verse 13. It doesn't mean I can do anything I like. It doesn't mean I can cheat my way through exams, through Christ who strengthens me. The devil is a liar. <laughs> I can jump from a four-story building. Jesus was told to jump. He refused. <laughs> the person that could jump looked at the jumping and said, no, I'm not jumping. This is not how they told me I was going to die. <laughs> it's not written, sir. The volume that contains this has not been published. He came according to the volume of the book. Volume 1, the only volume, did not include that he would die by jumping. Check, he said, no, it's not written. <laughs> because you know, we think that sonship is by manifestation of power. But see, all that nonsense thrives because we're a performance-driven church. Yes, sir. Performance-driven church. The person that was recorded to be the greatest of the prophets did not walk one miracle. Jesus said clearly that of all the prophets, Elijah was their boss because of all the fire he was calling from heaven and stuff. He says, but none is as great as John the Baptist. Seven recorded miracles of Elijah. Elisha received a double portion of his anointing. Fourteen recorded miracles of Elisha. Elijah called down fire to swallow sacrifice. Elisha was calling down fire to consume men in 50s. I mean, man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. Fire came from heaven, pa! 50 men, barbecue. <laughs> Sent another 50. If I mean, man of God, let fire come down. Second Kings 6, consume you and your 50 fire. Pfft. Two bears are eating children. You know, cannibalistic things that God was not involved in. Because yes. the man had power. Without control. And Jesus says, none of them is as great as John the Baptist. Why? What did John the Baptist do? He reveals Jesus. And that's the most lofty thing any man can do. Put Christ on display. No miracle. No manifestation. No performance. No fire. No brimstone. No cloud. No water parting. No water turning to wine. Nothing. A man came and showed the way. Jesus said, that's the greatest. So it's not in noise. So I can do all things. It's contextual. Do you understand? Yeah. Somebody got up and said, he, 
He read the story of Daniel and the lions. See, he went to the zoo. She opened the lion's cage for him to go in. A few years ago, somebody went and said he wanted to try walking on water. You heard the story? Another guy, man of God, said you shall take on serpents and scorpions and they shall do you nothing. They chewed the life out of him. And God is not glorified in that nonsense. Because even if you take up serpents and scorpions, it is contextual. It's not everybody that will take up serpents and scorpions. I've taught that in this house. Yeah? Earlier on in the series, Christ Conscious Believer. Go and take up serpents. They will take you up. Then put you down. So context is king, right? So Paul says, as far as it has to do with eating, as far as it has to do with eating food, given to idols, as far as it has to do with food, you know, being prepared different ways, I try to please everybody. You understand? So he will not go to somebody's house and they give him meat and say, how did you wash it? I want to know how you wash it before, you, before I eat it. When you kill the goat, was the goat still alive when you killed it? Or was the goat dead when you killed it? <laughs> no, sir. The goat was a ram when I killed it. <laughs> so that's the pretext that comes into 33. And then Paul says in the TPT, put it back up now. 1 Corinthians 10, 33. Follow my example, for I try to please everyone in all things, rather than putting my liberty first. Now, Paul, Paul was not saying he doesn't have liberty. He's saying his liberty under control. So when it has to do with somebody and the way they like something done, I conform to what needs doing and not insist that this is who I am. I am free. I can do what I like. I, I don't put my liberty first. Why, why should I change the way I talk because of you? Am I afraid of you? This is how I talk. You are a baby and you will not grow. You will stay there and be trapped in the bubble of your own individual reality and it will never translate to kingdom value. Yes, sir. It will not translate to kingdom value. Are you following me? Yes, it won't translate to kingdom value. So you have liberty, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Corinthians 10. All things are lawful. But not all things are expedient. I will not be mastered by all things. Are we here? Not putting my liberty first, I sincerely attempt to do anything I can so that others may be saved. I'm in my office this morning, spending time studying, and then Mika comes into my office, and she says, some people are here to see me. They're asking to see me. I said, okay. I said, who are they? She said, of Young's nieces. I said, oh. I said, I said please, oh. Usher them in. She ushered them in. I hugged them. They sat down on the sofa. I sat on my chair and we were talking. They, they came to see me. And we had conversations. We finished the conversation. They've told me before that they like how funny I am and I'm preaching. I'm a very funny pastor. They enjoy me preaching. I like to make them laugh. So we finished the meeting 
I spoke the way that a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old will understand. Because anything else you are saying that is beyond the level of the comprehension is high-sounding nonsense. So we speak on our level. We understand each other and we're done. And we're gone. Comes into my, my office, we talk on a level. Somebody or an old man comes in, we talk on a level. I don't insist this is who I am. This is how I talk. Take it or leave it. You're not wise. You're not imitating because that one that you're supposed to be imitating has suffered the little children to come to me. For theirs is the kingdom. He took them, straddled them, you know, except you become as one of these little children. You cannot see. Prostitutes, he was cool with them. Tax collectors were his food mates. Regularly, not one, not two, not three. He used to be jested for hanging with tax collectors. He, he knew that tax collectors always had money. <laughs> there was always going to be food for him and his disciples who decided to follow him not thinking about tomorrow because he told them, take no thought. Because he was taking the thought for them. Levi, the thought falls on you today. You feed us all. Oh, yeah. Matthew. I'm going to. Zacchaeus. You think I can't see you? Come down. Today, salvation has come to you. <laughs> the woman comes and breaks her box of alabaster and pause it over. This, this lady was introduced in Luke 8 as the one, you know how they, they refer to you according to your past? The one out of whom were cast out seven demons. It's not Mary Magdalene. You know, remember her now? That one was manifesting. One, two, three. We counted seven. That's the one we even counted all. <laughs> Who knows what I'm talking about? <laughs> Until you have that kind of story in church, you have not really encountered Jesus. People look at you and say, hey, you. Ah. But Jesus said something to her in Matthew. He said, well, to the people. He said, wherever the gospel is preached, this woman's name will be mentioned. He was so cool. Imagine reclining at a table and a woman comes and breaks oil on your feet and starts to use her hair. Washing it. And crying. You'll be like, ha, we said it. <laughs> we knew it. 99 days for the thief. <laughs> but it, whoever, Nicodemus came at night, Jesus engaged him. Which young ruler came by day, Jesus engaged him. Even the guy that came and said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Jesus did not say, let me prove to you that Nazareth used to produce good things. Just say, behold an Israelite in whom there is no guile. He engaged with everyone at the level of where they were. Who are you imitating? That's what Paul did. He said, I am all things to all men. To the Jews, as a Jew. So when he says, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make it back to Jerusalem, for I must keep the feast there. People that think that the law is still in force now argue that, well, if the, the law was done away with, why was Paul keeping the feast because he was being all things to all men 
there was a couple of people that will not hear the gospel because they will not gather except at the feast. So Paul seizes the opportunity that the feast provides to go there and share Christ to them who is the feast. That feast, Tabernacles, this is him. Passover, this is he of what Paul Moses wrote. As you eat this, this is what he is. He sees the opportunities of the temple worship. Oh, you say that the temple is not a... Why did Paul go to the temple? Because there was one. Because he said they went daily from house to house. Temple squares, synagogues, wherever there was a gathering, they would show up there. Not show up to endorse the gathering, but to preach the gospel. So they adapted to people. You can't say, this is how I talk. This is how I act. This is how I behave. Take it or leave it. So people have to adapt to your own personality before they can be blessed of you. Did you hear what I said? People have to, first of all, be comfortable with the fact that me, I talk brash. Or me, I, when I say it, when I feel it in my heart, I just say it the way that it is. The wisdom that is from God, James says, is first of all, peaceable, pure, gentle. I sit in my office and between my office, Facebook, WhatsApp, phone calls, I have at least 40 different meetings a day. A day. Dealing with all kinds of people with all kinds of issues from all kinds of different backgrounds. No single one crisscrosses into the other. Not a single one. I will not deal with this person the way I just dealt with that person. And you allow the Lord to stare you as is necessary for that particular person. Because you are saying something, the same scripture, but you are saying something that is totally different. That is only relevant for that person relevant for that person or the Lord stares you to do something oh I had a beautiful one sometime the week somebody came to see me you know and I was ministering and the person had had a, a crazy day and you know when you've had a crazy day you, you smell like the day you've had you can't walk in a bread place and come out smelling like soap <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying or walk in a perfume shop and come out smelling like fertilizer so if you walk in a market, at the end of the day, you will come out smelling like market. Hello? And so the finished ministry, the person was going to leave. And I'd, I'd spoken about the love of God in Christ and how he sees us and he loves us. And I held the person. The person go, no, you can't hold me. I stink. I said, come here. The person hugged me. I said, press in. Fool, hug me. I said, we both can tell you are smelling. He said, that's why I don't want you to hug me. I said, that's why I'm telling you to hug me. So I can smell like you. And she held me. I said, hold me tighter. She did. I said, even your hair is smelling. She said, here, I said, hold me. Hold me tight. That's how your father loves you. He's not put off by the smell of your mess. I said, hold me. She held on tight. I said, tighter. You stink, I can smell it. But that's how your father is not put off by your mess because he sees you as Christ. Now, I, I quoted more than 50 scriptures in that meeting. If this person forgets all the scriptures, this one thing, they won't forget. I'll be very stupid for the next person to walk into my office. I say, get up, hug me. 
after all, it, it has worked. You must allow the Spirit of God work through you to reach each one as he will. See, a lot of us sons of God are so proud. Paul says knowledge pops up. You have knowledge, we agree. We agree. Righteous of God in Christ, of Christ in God, we agree. Qualified, eh? heaven bound, tongue talking, we agree. Of what benefit is that to the advancement of his kingdom mandate in the earth? Of what benefit is that? How does it advance the course of the, of the gospel? Because the gospel's end is the bringing of the kingdom on earth. That was the first request when, it, when I was teaching them how to pray. First request was that will be done. That kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We're not trying to vacate earth to go to, to make heaven. We are trying to bring heaven on the earth. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Bridging time and eternity in one place. So that here right now, we are there right now because we used to be there then. That's the gospel. Do you understand? Come from, and so we can bring it together now. That's the essence of you being saved in the earth. What does it profit anybody? You receive the gospel, then the gospel should dispense around you. I mean, it's a no-brainer. It really, it's not something you should, be, you should even be taught. But by teaching you, because even at that point, they had to teach the churches. But I, I remember talking about the Ephesian church and how in Paul's letters to them, he hardly has anything bad to say about them. He's not correcting stuff as a way. But he gets to chapter 4 and he says, uh -huh, so concerning the old man, which, which you have put off, now put on the new man. They still needed a reminder. He tells the Philippian church, for me to write the same things to you over and over, it's not laborious for me. It's profitable for you. Philippians 2, right? 2, 1 or 3, 1. Check it. Philippians 2, 1 or 3, 1. And then he tells them, beware of dogs. Not the one you put <laughs> on your... On your on your gate, says scriptura. It's <laughs> biblical. Philippians 3 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. He says, For me to write the same things to you, it's not tedious, but for you to save. Verse 2. <laughs> Beware. And so we quote scriptures at face value. Beware of dogs. This is, this is who I am. But we're telling you, we know, we know that you know who you are. But can you make it count? And how you make it count is by observing those who are in the business of mastering how to make it count. It will not come together in your head, sir. It will never, I promise you, your work with God will never come together in your head. Pap says. It will never come together the way you work it out in your head. You must drop your pride and understand that the, he that descended is the one that ascended and gave gifts. And he gave the gifts for a specific assignment. He didn't give the gift to pay your school fees. He didn't give the gifts to become your friends. 
He didn't give the gift to pay, to give you money when you don't have money. He didn't give the gift to help you with your house rent and to help you with business money and to help you pay. That's not what he gave gifts for. He knows the needs you have, but he did not give gifts for that purpose. He will meet your needs, but it is error for you to tie the meeting of your need to the gift he gave. That's what is messing up the church of Jesus Christ now. Because we are in church and we are doing everything except what we are supposed to do. You are hungry. First person that comes to your mind is pastor. Your rent is due first because somehow pastor always has money. That's what you think now. We that live by faith. Practically. Practically day to day. Live by faith. I'm not giving to you, sir, to make, to give you food when you're hungry. I'm not giving to you to replace your phone when it's dead. Adjust your expectations. I'm not giving to you to give you business advice. Now, I, am, I, may, I may abound in every good work to the measure of his grace that is sufficient for me and that's what every son of God should do. So when I meet a need, I'm not meeting the need because I'm pav. But because as son of God, that's what is expected of me. And it is, it is in my remit to do so as I can. That's why you can never guilt trip me to helping you. Our obligation is to the household of faith. And even in the household of faith, there is an order to which we respond to needs in the New Testament. He gave gifts. Ephesians 4.12. I said that we will walk with God will not come together in your head. He will come together by following those who are in the business of mastering how it comes together. He gave some gift to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. See why he gave the gift. For the? For? Of the ministry. And for what? Uh-huh. Till we all come, unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a? To the? Of the? Of the? Of Christ. That we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up, Oxano, in all things into him who is the head, Christ. The job description of those gifts is very clear. You notice none of it there refers to your material advancement. No. The greatest encouragement, the greatest gift you can give to your pastor is to grow. Your pastor is wicked. If he gives anything to you and does anything with you and does not care about your growth. And you too, you are stupid. Because you have come and friend zoned somebody who should pull you into your next phase in God. You know what it means to friend zone someone? Somebody's interested in you for a particular reason. You say, no, I'm not interested. I, I can't. Let's just be friends. It's called friend zoning, you know, just... You have not learned how to follow somebody because it appears you don't know where you're going. 
Because if you know where you're going, you can identify somebody who is going there. You cannot be misdirected until you have no clue where you're going. Because you must, of a necessity, understand where, you, what, where you're going. The trajectory of your journey. You can see somebody that you can line up after. He gave gifts for the equipment of the saints for the work of men. Why didn't he just do it himself? He could have. You don't need a man to grow you in your work with God. Why did Jesus not come down and save you himself? Because he gave gifts to men. Of men. The gifts he gave are men. There are men giving to men. Don't let what is going around deceive you. There's men giving to men. And we must understand that in this era where everybody wants to be independent. That by design, theocracy is not designed for independence. It's designed for interdependence. You imitate, you follow. Who is leading you? Who is leading you? You heard Ugo say, you were not commissioned to hang a card and come and stand. It's not something I've not taught you, taught you before. I've said it over and over and over. Because it's easy to get power drunk. Easy to get stuck in the fact that I understand what's going on. And you're the least person that he blesses. People come and drink stuff and take stuff away with them. And you say, Pav is your friend. Your, your, Pav is your pastor. You cannot say what he has, he has taught. You can't say what he's preached. And so you're in a place and you have abdicated responsibility for your growth. You're in a place. So by that point, you feel like you're doing your, you're in partnership with me. I do my part to do your part. Imitation doesn't work like that. A while ago, I told somebody, I said, maybe you should find another church where the pastor is big enough to, for you to follow. I said, we should find another place. Maybe, you know, this kind of place where they are following the pastor with staff. You know, as soon as he gets up, everybody, like nine or ten people in robe, follow you, you know. And hey, that kind of place, if he says to you, Kendi, marry three wives. <laughs> you say, yes, your grace. Because, you see, unfortunately, a lot of us have relegated the workings of God to the vessel. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The vessel. Yes, your grace. So maybe you should find a place where the pastor is big enough that if he says, oh, hello, he says, yes, your grace. <laughs> but for some people, that's the only language you will understand. And that language is not of God. I said it. Come on, beat me. It's not of God. If you must be manipulated to fear someone you should willingly honor, you are stupid. Because it's only when you have withheld honor that you are manipulated to give it in fear. But really, who's pastoring you? Who are you able to look and say, this is the model Paul says, imitate me as or to the measure that I imitate Christ. What is the imitation of Christ at work in our lives? How much of what he did and taught are we doing and teaching? Because you can't be saying I'm the righteousness of God in Christ and we don't see the effect of that righteousness in the earth. You can't be doing that. So a lot of us are caught up in it now. We are so lost in our bubble of there's no condemnation and you have become totally irrelevant to God's eternal plan in the earth now. Totally. And you're comfortable with it. You're happy to just be you and God. You might as well die and go and meet him we, we are allowing him to be formed in us. Just leave us. You know all things, Abby. 
Go with him now. We, we are following on to know. I mean, here Paul telling you in Ephesians 3 that you may know his love that passes understanding. A love that cannot be known. May you know it. My prayer for you is, is for you to know what as yet cannot be known. So at what point do you feel like you, no man can teach you? I watch people who say that they are open to conversations, but when you see how somebody responds to them, contrary to what they say, they flip. You can tell their insecurities, their doctrinal fallacies. And I laugh and I just smile and keep going, minding my business. And most times these guys are wrong. They have sensationalized the truth of the gospel to fit a particular narrative. And that's dangerous. To start to interpret God's word to sound like what it is not. So who is teaching you? You cannot say you know it all. Who are you following? And you cannot be here, have a pastor, and your mentor is on Instagram. He don't know you. He ain't going to give account of you. Who will give account of you? Hebrews 13, 15. Let's remove it and delete it. Go up to 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls. So it can't be government. Government doesn't watch out for your souls. When Paul was dealing with civil authority, he dealt with it in Romans 13. As those who must give account, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that will be unprofitable for you. Obey your spiritual leaders and recognize the authority, for they keep watch over your soul without resting. Tell me about it. Since they will have to give an account to God for their work. So it will benefit you when you make their work a pleasure. And not a heavy burden. There's men that will give account of men in this kingdom. At one point or the other, you will be given account of, and you will give account of. I taught the pastors in this house the same thing. If you are a son of God and there is no body over you that holds your reset button, you are a time bomb waiting to explode. Do you understand what I just said? There's nobody over you that has your reset button. You're going crazy. The person can hey. Reset. If you are that kind of person, you don't have somebody that the gift of God that you recognize enough for them to say to you, hey, and you pull it together, you're going to blow. And you take down everybody around you with you. That you are crying and somebody says to you, stop crying now. It is well. And you cannot pull it together at that point and stop because the word has gone forth. You're on your own. And you see, some of us, we will sooner stop this thing than turn it to drama. God forbid. Than do it to impress you. We we just say what the Lord has said as we are convinced he said it. That's all. I go home and sleep. That's all it is. And so it's up to you what what level of business you do with it. Tell anybody neighbor, imitate. 1 Corinthians 4. Is anybody getting this? 1 Corinthians 4, 14 to 17. Are we there? I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, it's not who instructed you that is the issue. It's who has labored over you through the gospel. If you are here, you must of a necessity subscribe to what is coming from here. Yes, sir. 
and you must allow yourself to receive it enough to practice it. You must. You must allow yourself to practice it. So does that mean I have to spell like you? You want to spell like? Yourself? What do you want to spell like? It's like the church telling Jesus, does that mean we have to behave like you? If we behave like you, will we not lose our identity? That's why you have an identity crisis because that's who is supposed to be shaping your identity. Will I not lose my individuality? Let this mind which was incredible be in you. If all of us have the same mind, how can we be different? The problem we have is that there's a multiplicity of minds when there should be one. One mind when they tell me, say, Then another mind come, they say. Then you get the other mind. That mind, no, they come every time. They feature. You know? <laughs> you, know, you, know, you, know what I, you know what I mean? That mind, they feature. Nah, guess that is. <laughs> Let this mind which was in Christ Jesus. Because Paul says, I beseech you that you are of one are you following? First Corinthians 4. Put us back in 14. Do you have many 10,000 instructors? Yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I, Paul, have begotten you through the gospel. It's not who instructed you that is the issue, it's who has labored over you through the gospel. There's a bunch of people that feel like every pulpit they get to minister, the, the person that owns the pulpit is daddy. Daddy, thank you for this privilege. Mommy, I do not take it lightly. Daddy, our daddy here. My another daddy is here. My other deputy assistant daddy is here. And then on the other hand, there's a bunch of people that feel like only Jesus You are writing about people following people. But you are writing for people to follow you. You are writing for people to not pay attention to their pastors. But you are eliciting the attention. By, it's, it's not when you know people are reading that you are writing. Yeah. So somebody else should pastor the people and be responsible for them. So you can just write them and fire them up to be independent and be a problem. Because you will not be there when they have the issues of life. And you too do not go to the person that wrote on Facebook. You, you know you where to enter and enter a pastor's office or text a pastor. That's when you remember you have a pastor. Oh, it's you and God. Why is it not you and God? Don't tell us anything. You too, stay you and God. Why are you telling people something if it's, the, if it's me and God? Then you too, whatever you are doing with God, it should be you and God. Write it in your journal. Read it to God. Because it's you and God. Why are we so hypocritical? And why are you so gullible? It's you and God. You don't need anybody. But we should listen to you. We don't need anybody. But we should read your own. And take your own. But we don't We need you. Now, I'm not saying you should need me. I'm just telling you. Excuse me. Why must you tell me if it's you and God and me and God. Then you read the Bible and understand it and keep it. 
Me too, let me read it or not read it and keep it. Each man for himself and God. We can't frustrate the work of people that are laboring in people through the gospel. Somebody must be responsible for crafting you. It's New Testament. You better fix, fix it up now. And you, your growth will be exponential. Your growth will be exponential. And you will grow. And he will process and filter. It's him that can do it. If you are following a teacher that you are convinced is teaching you wrongly, you should, not be, you should be the one teaching. At that point, we should release you to go and teach. Do you understand? You are in, every time your teacher, lecturer comes in, you are in diametric opposition to everything your lecturer is saying. At that point, you should be the one lecturing that course. And if there's no space in this campus, we should now release you to another campus or start inaugurate a brand new campus for you to go and practice what you know. Because you cannot be a student regulating your teacher. You didn't know something about the gospel. You opened your eyes to something. You now come and use what you have come into knowledge of to want to regulate the person that brought you into it. You of a necessity. There's people that are laboring over you through the gospel. It's not just some standalone thing that magically happens in the cloud. He gave gifts. Tell your neighbor he gave gifts. I've said in this house over and over, you cannot say you are following God without settling the fact that you will follow men. To follow God, you must follow men. The measure of God you seek to walk in is contained in a man that has more mileage than you. And it doesn't have to look like it. You know, we don't have to dress like it or talk like it. We have come from a place. First yes, yes, Corinthians 4.15. Do you realize I'm still in the introduction of this series? Yes, sir. <laughs> As I wrap up. <laughs> you see, to get ahead in life, you must be a sponge. Nothing is more deceptive than taking notes that don't enter your spirit. You must be receptive as a state of being. You are drinking it in. The filtering is for him to do. Drink it. Quote it. Sound like it. Acts 4. I know I said 1 Corinthians 4, 15. Acts 4, 12 or 13. Somewhere around there. Acts 4, 12, 13. Not is there salvation in any other form? There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That was the apostles. Now see verse 13. Now when these guys, the council, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, see the conclusion, and they realized... It was a modern translation. They realized, nobody, nobody informed them. The council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had never had, who never had religious training. 
Then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? It shows you are a fraud if you have a robust personal relationship with somebody that is to instruct you spiritually and you're not growing. You're not growing. Oh, but I know him. I've been with him. You are dragging closeness with him. And you don't sound like him. You don't act like him. You don't love like him. You don't comport yourself like him. You're not as selfless as he is. You're not as forgiving and long-suffering and as accommodating as he is. You're a waste of space. A waste of space. Because me, I am doing what he has called me to do. Not being hindered by your pettiness. You are stupid. Both you that feels you are too big and you that feels like you have a right to it, you are equally stupid. Just by being with him, there was a difference. This one's, this one's hung with Jesus. How did they know? They heard them speak. They heard the authority with which they spoke. That's the first thing I'm going to start dealing with about the imitation of Jesus and the apostles. You must imitate the authority of Jesus and the authority as manifested in the apostles. That's the first thing we'll deal with. Next week. Hearing the boldness with which they spoke. Hearing them articulate stuff that Bible school could not have taught them, sir. Came to a conclusion. No. This has to be the product of hanging with Jay. Hanging with Jesus mattered. It mattered. It counted for something. Hanging with him. Being there. Being someone's shadow. I did. I told you my story. I did it. Took, seized every opportunity. I'm coming. Because the men are not two. It's one. And you don't choose it. I will give you pastors after my heart. I will give you not you will choose. So you think you walked in here? If you really were sent here, you didn't call yourself here. If you really were sent here. If you really were sent here, is a gift God cost you to locate. If you really were sent here. I repeat, that's why we don't do flyers and try and force you to come. If you were sent here, God cost you to locate a gift. What are you doing with the gift? Eating with the gift. Travel with the gift. Hung with the gift. Jesus with the gift. Worked with the gift. And we cannot tell. We cannot tell. And you know by now that this one is the real deal. If I fall, me, I will fall forward. My life, I don't have a life anymore. What are we chasing? Have you sat down to think about it? What is this? What's, what's in it for this guy? Popularity, this is a tough way to get it. Fame? Nah, this is too, this is too difficult. What is the driving force? We don't have a life anymore. We don't. I've labored over you through the gospel. That's what Paul says. And the best gift you can give is to grow. Oxano. Develop. Mature. Become that for which you have been apprehended. Keep your mouth shut for a minute in your confession. 
This is how your light, Matthew 5, 17. The same for God so. Yeah? Or two. Matthew 5, 17. Put it up. Or 16. Put 16. Thank you. 16. Let your light. So there is the word. This is the manner to which your light should shine. How? That men may see your good work. Tipity. So don't hide your light. Let it shine so brightly before others so that commendable things you do will shine as light upon them and then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. In other words, this is how your light should shine. For no one lights a lamp and hides. And that was salvation that Jesus was talking about in his promissory sense. Not shining by doing your business in the name of Jesus. You know, there's all this motivational speaking that's scripted into the church. That makes you feel like your, your, your life is shining Christ if you have a good business. If your marriage is working. If you have children that are healthy, your light is... Be, no, that's not what Jesus was talking about. He's talking about salvation. No one lights a lamp. And puts it under a basket. We put it on a lampstand and it gives light. Run this cross, reference this with John 1. The light shines in darkness. I am the light of the world. The light that giveth light to all men. So light in the context of this was the context of salvation. Do you understand? Not you just doing nice things. But if you're, when you have received salvation, when you have received this light, don't hide it. Do you understand? He wasn't talking about niceness, doing nice things. When you have received the light of the gospel, don't put it under a bushel. Let it count. Put it on display. Put him on display. Let your light so shine. Which light? Because of your own, you cannot have light. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. It's not referring to light in your own self or else you will end up in self-righteousness. The light here is the gospel. Light of Christ. When you receive it, don't hide it. Put it up. Let it count. That's when your sonship matters in the earth. And then you will be the sons of your father, Jesus says. I asked you a question last week. I repeat it again. Are you not tired? Of course, it's not difficult it's for us to repeat the same things as Paul says in Philippians 3 over and over but by now you know you can feel the frustration of the writer of Hebrews in chapter 5 even me thank God that we don't have unforgiveness anymore because otherwise here yeah, otherwise me I have a major problem with the Hebrews that stopped the writer of Hebrews from explaining the fullness of Melchizedek I am upset with them Because it appears that there's some bickering we are doing now. Melchizedek, Jesus, type, type, shadow that, that Paul would have just put paid to. He would have just killed it in that flow of Hebrews 5. Of whom we have much to say. But you can't handle because you're slow of understanding. Because by now, he leaves the subject. By now, when you should be dealing with solid food, you are here grappling with milk. Solid food belongs to those who are of age. And uh, now, let's, not, let's, let's, let's move on to perfection. Look at what, Hebrews 6 1. This is Christ's experience, right? Yeah. 
leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ. Father, help these people to get this. If you can get this, I will, I will close. You know, I've said over in this house, Emoji, over and over, I've told him that I've not started teaching them the gospel yet. Let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works is not perfection. Faith towards God is not perfection. Keep going. Doctrine of baptisms is not perfection. Laying on of hands is not perfection. Resurrection of the dead is not perfection. Eternal judgment is not perfection. All of these things I'm teaching you are still elementary principles. It's not what a maturing believer should pride themselves in knowing. We have gotten caught up in sonship. You have forgotten it's not the final bus stop. Jesus is not coming back for sons. You better grow up. Son of God, son of God, son of God, son of God. Elementary, entry level. Let us leave this matter and talk weightier things. Put on the new man. Put off the old man. Be transformed by the need of your mind. Be not conformed to this world. Elementary. Kindergarten. The kingdom is at stake. We're trapped in babyish stuff. And even those babyish things, we're struggling with them. They slap you in the face. You're struggling with it. Is that all you caught? Oh, oh I, I, I caught it. I just didn't think I needed to show you that I caught it. Because if you celebrate everything except what you owe your leader, you're not working in wisdom. The greatest thing you can offer is to grow. That's what he gave those gifts for. Ephesians 4, right? Equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Perfecting of the body. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to the perfect man. Help us to do our job. Because perfection, we have not started teaching it. So you're not at the point where you can say you don't need a man to teach you. You you can't say, don't deceive yourself. Don't deceive yourself. I hope everybody can hear me, especially in this house. Don't deceive yourself. If you're visiting, (laughs) watch online. If this is your house, especially if you're wearing a tag, you can't say, me and God, where and how? What you think you pride in is elementary. The guy says, let's leave this. Why are we coming back to discuss repentance? Why are we coming back to discuss resurrection? Why are we coming back to argue baptisms? I want to pieces Melchizedek. You are here drinking milk. By the time he comes out to Melchizedek in, in, in chapter 7, he has sort of, you know, just goes on. Go look it, Hebrews 5, 13, somewhere there, 12, Melchizedek. Order, priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews 5. Just put it up on the screen, I'll, I'll tell you, just put it up. Put up verse 12. Okay, go back to, like, to 11. Yes, 10. It's around there, 10. Called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, called of whom we have much to say. 
and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Stay here. Switch to the TPT. We have much to say about this topic. Although it's difficult to explain because you have become too dull and sluggish to understand. Verse 12. Stay in TPT. For you should already be professors. Instructing others by now. But instead, you need to be taught from the very beginning the basics of God's prophetic oracles. You're like children still needing milk and not yet ready to digest solid food. For a spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced. Somebody say pierced. By the revelation of righteousness. But solid food is for the mature whose spiritual senses perceive heavenly matters. And they have been adequately trained by what they've experienced to emerge with understanding of the difference between what is truly excellent and what is evil and harmful. Go on. Now is the time for us to progress beyond the basic message of Christ and advance. <laughs> the foundation has already been laid for us to build upon. Colon. What is coming next is the foundation. Turning away from our dead works to embrace faith in God. Teaching about different baptisms. Impartation by the laying on of hands. Resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So with God's enablement, we will move on. Excuse me, am I teaching you God's word? Yes, We're not here to babysit. We're not here to raise babies. There's deeper depths to plumb. The fullness of the salvation package has not, the surface of it has not been scratched. Even by the so-called reformers. Falling over yourselves and there's depths. I said here that the end of the gospel is the coming of the kingdom. You can't isolate the two of them. And until we marry the realities of the cross with the realities of the kingdom, we are babies. And there's no way we can have any control over the systems of this world. Forget it. Forget it. There's maturity to come into. And that's why he gave gifts for the perfecting. So by the time you friend zone or familiarize with or even resist or rationalize your independence away from the gift God has placed in your life, it's a matter of the gift is not big enough. Or you, you are bigger. Do you understand? The gift is too small or you, you are too big. And the top of one is the bottom of the other anyway. <laughs> if you are too big for something, the thing is too small for you. If you think it's too small for you, you are too big for it. Same difference. But until you get to the point where you realize, this is my sanity. This man, this gift, is my sense. You will never benefit the fullness of imitation into Christ-likeness that you need to come into. You will not. See, Peter, with all his, ah, hey, sheath your sword. You think if I, I, I wanted, I would not call legions of angels? And Peter received sanity. Received sanity. When he chopped off the chief priest's servant's ear. If you don't have a gift, he said, this is my peace of mind. This is my sanity. Oh, no. How, how, how can you report me to pastor? If you don't have somebody whose regard can cause you to have sense, you are an evil person. Eh? Report me to pastor, so what? Ah, 
the person that will give account of you that should do so with joy and not with grief. You're not moved with reverence. That is the calling of sonship. That's the calling of sonship. Why are you following? Why are you imitating? Are we showing Christ to you at all? Because we are trying to do what we see him do. Last Sunday, you guys went for the funeral. So it was last Sunday. All over. Came back. Folks were tired. Call time 11.30. I knew people were going to be late. I'm a father. I knew. I was here my, by myself. And once it was 10 o'clock, I came up and I started to arrange the chairs. Do you know how many times I've arranged this place? Do you know how many times I've swept this place? Does it affect my delivery when I'm teaching? Authority is not for self-servitude. That's not what Jesus taught us. He said the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. That's what he showed them in John 13 when he said, as I've washed your feet, so also wash. You will receive sense if you're following. So I'm, I'm just trying to introduce it so you can understand the concept of imitation. Just look at what Jesus did. But we see Jesus looking onto Jesus, beholding us in a glass, the same image, looking into the perfect law of liberty. He who looks at it and goes away is like a man who looks at himself in the mirror and immediately forgets what man of man. Wait, 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 what, 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 what color am I wearing? What color? Well, you just saw it right now in the mirror. That's not the reality of sons of God. We are modeling whom we have believed. In that is the transformation that the nation seeks. You know, people that will come up and say we will not conform. Yes, even if it be the norm. Yes, sir. We will not bow down except to the Holy One. We will not conform. Be not conformed to this world, it says. I live above the systems of this world. So that's how we choose the songs that we choose and sing in this house. You don't have to be excited and, and dance in one song of five minutes. You dance all the reigning dance in the world. That's carnality. You know, most times we choose songs because of the beat. The one that will help you to gyrate. But that's why I said here in this house, the words lead the worship. The word leads the worship. We choose songs that enforce what we're teaching. I live above the systems of this world. I totally delight on your word. No matter what may come my way, whatever I face, is you, is you I live for. In the world of so many. Lord, I delight in your precious word. I believe in your name. You're a man of your word. If you said it, I believe it. Now he says, you are not of this world. That's what he says. So lift yourself out of it. Not physically speaking, but in a sense, in, 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 in your cosmos, in your system, in your operation. Start to act like sons of God act. Come to me and tell me, but Pav, I know you and this person are not talking. Then I can give you a reason not to follow. Do you know what we are forgiven? What we have covered? Do you know how many times we have accepted we are guilty? Because if we defend ourselves, other people will go down. Not that we count ourselves, as Paul said, to have apprehended. But one thing we do. I'm trying to finish this first Corinthians. Well, can I try and finish? First Corinthians 4, 15. Let's go to 16. Santos, help me. Go back to 15. 
For though you have 10,000 instructions in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Because of this, because of my labor over you through the gospel, I can urge you, imitate me. Verse 16. So it wasn't some random person telling some random people over whom he has not labored to follow and be like him. So you see why I keep emphasizing when I'm teaching that I'm teaching my people. Let's grow and grow. So he says, therefore I urge you, imitate me, mimic me. In the good sense of it. On account of my labor over you through the gospel, by now I am worthy of emulation. That's what he said. Tipity. So I encourage you, my children, to follow the example that I leave before you. And wherever you go, you leave a fragrance. You cannot be here a son of God in this house and you are emitting a foul fragrance wherever you go. And you are not smitten in your conscience to repent without prompting. You, you even justify your actions even when corrected in love. You can even ignore the correction and wonder why the person that is correcting you feels in a position to correct you. When they bring you to higher authority, you will also accuse them for snitching on you. So how do you expect to be helped? You, you went and told Pav, you're not listening. Pav is not enough for them to told. Because if you, are, if you are in this house and I cannot be your sanity button, I'm not your pastor. I'm not your pastor. That you have a problem with another person going to tell your mutual pastor about an issue that concerns you and concerns the health of the house you go and challenge them for telling power I'm not your pastor I'm only your pastor to the measure that is convenient for you you understand the kind of pastor that only comes for your wedding child dedication you know matriculation convocation washing of your new house and business but the one that says to you, are you mad? Have you lost your senses? Hey, how can pastor speak to me like that? It is an integral part of your discipleship. Yes, Jesus turned to Peter, looked at him square in the eye and said, get behind me, Satan. Peter didn't leave the building. Yes, sir. Twelve people are eating with him. Have I not chosen twelve of you and one of you is the devil? And the same people he will speak to in that manner. In John 6, 66. From that moment, John 6, 66. John 6, 66. And from that time on, many of disciples, his disciples, his disciples, not crusade attendees, went back and walked with him no more. See 67. Then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So even in the reproof of Jesus, they saw eternal life. Yes, sir. I've told you, I said, if you do not believe that I speak to you in love, you have no business hanging with me. 
if you do not believe that when I correct you, it's about fleshing out the best in you. If I'm your pastor and you feel attacked by me, you will never grow. You will never grow. And after a while, I will understand that you are averse. You are not postured to receiving correction. I will navigate around you and keep going. And suddenly you realize we're not fighting again. And you think we're in a good place. No, I just left you where you decided to stay and moved on with the Lord's work. You, you have not grown. And we go on to perfection. Because if you do not believe that we are laboring over you through the gospel, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? You do not believe that when I speak, I speak to rattle you and draw you to a place of sanity in the Holy Ghost. You want me to patronize you? You have to grow or you have to grow. Yes, sir. To whom much is given, much is expected. Now, if you don't have that level of sanity in your life, in your work with God, you are a disaster going somewhere to happen at 120 miles an hour. Take my word for it. It will happen. It will happen. You just crash land into something because nobody can tell you, hey, what are you doing? Liberty is not license for nonsense. There's discipline in the kingdom. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There's order in the kingdom. And when we have grasp of these things, then we are ready to move into perfection. In other words, when you have, re- when you have mastered this, that's where your journey to perfection can begin. <laughs> Do you understand? It's not that when you arrive at this, you are perfect. No, sir. When you arrive at this, we can now start talking about perfection. Do this and do the other. You cannot at this point believe that somebody who you are serving under is working with the blueprint of God for the house. You still think I'm guess working this? No, sir. We can't tell you. You know, you know, you remove your tag. Keep it. Be the tag first. Or we repent of putting you in a place by removing you. I'm saying it publicly. Leave out what you're doing. That you're a pastor in this house means that anybody can walk up to you and see Christ on display. You don't get a day off. You don't get a day off. You don't get a day to misbehave because your flow is on. You're not ruled by your senses. Your mental is that time of the month. I thought we live above those systems. Somebody, somebody upset you. Somebody just has a way of always getting on your nerves. And you come to the gathering of God's people and you transmit that negative energy into the whole house. And we're here, we're trusting God for a free flow of his spirit. And sons of God who are supposed to be grasping maturity are the ones who are stifling the energy. All it takes is a smile to bring healing to somebody in church. A hug. A consistency. A consistency. Today you're smiling. Next Sunday you're not looking like you. So we want to talk to you. We're not sure whether we should approach you. And then you're believing God for your husband. <laughs> no, you can laugh. But you see nobody's after you from your village. Yes, sir. Nobody. You're believing God for a wife. And you have a nasty attitude as a guy. You are misogynist. You are in church. And you speak to ladies like they are beneath you. 
hey, we can do that. Hey, Sama, carry this. And you're hoping that somebody in church will follow you and be your wife. Wake up from your dream, Joseph. Because if anybody should testify of you as worthy for husband material, it should be the sisters in the church you are. If sisters in the church that you are presenting cannot vouch for the fact, let it be that it's the Lord that led you somewhere. Because sisters here should testify that this brother is husband worthy. In the same vein, brothers here should testify that this sister is wife worthy. She can submit to a man as unto the Lord. So you can bring somebody from outside that doesn't know your real character. And then we have been looking at you. You now bring the person to church for us to not help them marry you. Or vice versa. I mean, it's not, I mean, there are exceptions, but generally that's what happens. Because now we, now we, we, we know each other. And then you come on and you wear a tag. My son of God, I am who you say I am. It's in the display. The world is waiting for the manifestation of the confession of sons of God. There has to be something you are following. And you are settled in following it. So that we can look at you and say, mm -hmm, indeed, by virtue of spending time with, yeah, Acts 4.13. 1 Corinthians 4.17. <laughs> For this reason, Paul says, I sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord. What a commendation. And, uh, and, and who will, so there, there, there were other people in, in Paul's life. There was one that even left him and followed Barnabas. John Mark. And he says, but this one, for this reason, go back. Go back to TPT. Let's transition 16 to 17 TPT so they can get the context. Go back to 17 to 16. I encourage you to follow the example that I leave for you. Now, for the reason of encouraging you to help you follow this example, I'm sending the person who has followed my example. Do you understand? That is why. Can you see it now? That's why I've sent my dear son, Timothy, my love is faithful to the Lord Yahweh and will remind you of how I conduct myself as one who lives in union with Jesus the anointed one and he will remind you of the teachings that I bring to every church everywhere I'm sending you a clone of myself this is the only reason why I singled out Timothy for this reason there are other sons I can send to instruct you. You have 10,000 instructors in Christ. But not every instructor in Christ can fashion you in emulation of who I'm imitating. So for, for the reason of forming Christ in you, the way that I live it, Timothy. Timothy with you is as good as me with you. So follow my example. Okay. I'm in prison. I will send Timothy. Timothy is my example. If you follow Timothy, you're following me. If you, I, I, I'm following Christ. 
The message, 17. This is why I sent Timothy to you earlier. He is also my dear son and true to the master. He will refresh your memory on the instructions I regularly give all the churches on the way of Christ. Now you see why he tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2. 2 Timothy 2.2. He wrote to Timothy as Timothy was pastor in Corinth and Ephesus. Paul tells Timothy in his personal letter to him, referred to as the pastoral epistles, all that you've learned from me, Timo, confirmed by in the integrity of my life, deposit into faithful leaders who are competent to teach the congregations the same revelation. Somebody say imitate. The same revelation. If you are following somebody who is following somebody, you will learn and teach the same. You have no problem looking like who you have decided to follow. If you have a problem, you have a problem. You have a problem if you don't want to look like who you are following and you are following them. You are deceiving both you and the person. And unfortunately for you, I can mean, I am woke. You see, the thing is, I am long-suffering. I can, I have already figured you out and I leave you there. Wheat and tars growing together till harvest. I won't throw you away. I won't. But I know exactly at what level of dimension to play your availability in the house. There's a level of responsibility you will never, ever receive from me. But you'll be here. Pictures of us as one year old. You see yourself there. Five years old. You see yourself. You become the colossus of the church. I've been there from the beginning. In the beginning. But people come and go past you and whoop, are growing and are sponging everything that is coming forth. But you have settled because you are a shareholder. You have no problem looking like who you have decided to follow. No problem. No problem at all. There's no pride in the matter. No pride. There's no pride. You travel and you meet people. Ah, people are doing all their thing. And you know, you, you, the remit of what you are doing is restricted to who you are following. Nobody has ever said to me in a program I went with my, my master. He says, can you come and play for me? Somebody flew me to a platform that I would not have dreamt of being on. Eh? Taught me what I know. I sit down behind him with keyboard that he bought for me for the walk. And I come and say, hey, hey, can you play for me? Hell no. Oh, those boys, they are very proud. We are proudly proud. Now, person will follow, come. We did not come of our own. You are following a man. And you cannot be a step ahead of him. 
how you know you are following a man is that we look at the set of footprints and there's only one set. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Only one set of footprints. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because where he lifts his foot, you put your foot square yes, in his footstep. And you stretch and he will stretch and he will stretch you and he will reprove you and he will rebuke you and he, all he's doing is stretching you so the next time you take a step, you are dropping it right inside his foot. One set of footprints. As sure as the Lord lives, heading where the Lord is taking you. And you're not afraid of it because they've labored over you in the gospel. We are called on to imitation, people. We are called into imitation. Discipleship is imitation. Discipleship is copy and paste. Same gospel. Same message. Same analogies. Same illustrations. Same words. Nobody sent you to look for your own. Same. Follow and trust him to use the process and bring out the best you. Because at the end of the day, what God is interested in is you. You don't realize it until you're fighting it. God is using me to help you. <laughs> Do you understand? Yes, Even though sometimes you might confuse yourself to think that he's, he's, you are in my life to help me. <laughs> ah. No, 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 no. It's the other way around. It is you that God is using me to help. Whatever you think you are doing for me, it is what we have a right to reap of you materially for the labor we have over you spiritually. A labor which Paul says in 2 Corinthians we have even waived. Because according to the New Testament, oh, my house rent, my car, my bills, my, if I'm using a phone, the airtime I'm using to do ministry, all of that by New Testament right is your responsibility. Paul says, but we have waived these things. So you're not, there's no way you think you're helping me. No, he gave gifts. I'm the gift to you. The gift to me is not you. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? The gift to me for my perfection, for my equipping, is not you. Once you understand it, sanity will come into your life. I have my gifts. I have my gifts. I have my gifts. It's not you I will call and ask your advice on something ministerially. I know those I will call. I'm not saying you're not good enough. You are just not the gift to me. And you can't make yourself one. We are called to imitation. Look at what somebody's doing in his pursuit of Christ. Has he modeled it? Follow him. And let God be responsible for the end of your journey. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the Basilea Commission.org. 
or visit our social media platforms.